Hello, Trombone Internet. This is Chris Van Hoff, assistant to the regional manager of the International Trombone Festival. We at the festival, of course, are huge fans of the pod, and we are really excited to invite you to attend this year's 2024 International Trombone Festival at TCU in Fort Worth, Texas. Dave Begnosh is our host. We have the world premiere of a brand new double concerto for trombone and piano with the Fort Worth Symphony. We have the American Brass Quintet. We have late night jazz featuring a Latin jam session. Like everything is happening, all the cast will be there. It's the best hang in the world, and we hope to see you there. You can register for the festival still online at www.internationaltrombonefestival.com, and it's happening the last week of May. So go register. We'll see you in Texas. Welcome to the premiere episode of Meet Your Maker where I sit down with craftsmen to discover the magic behind their discoveries, as well as practical, technical knowledge we all should know. Christian Griego is our first guest of Edwards Instruments. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So you just got back from from Midwest, right? I did, and I didn't get sick. <laughs> Congratulations. I, I, so how many, how many times did you hear, like, Bolero? Uh... Honestly, not a lot because this year with the COVID, people were a lot more careful about trying instruments. We had oh, to right. clean things more often. And, and so you, there's honestly, there's a, uh, an overall like 90 decibel of just sound. And so you might hear it creep in occasionally, but Bolero, you know, you, you better be, uh, you better be swinging good, you know, if you're going to be playing <laughs> that in a, in a big hall like that. Well, if they can't play, it's the instrument's fault, right? It's always the instrument's fault. It's never us, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, so you've been to like more of these kind of, you've been to conventions, every festival, and, you know, it's a lot of work. You're, you're there for many hours. You're, you're helping people try out instruments. Sometimes it's the only time they get a chance to, to work with you or, or try something. I mean, what's the most common thing you, you often hear people playing? And on the reverse side, what do you think would actually be the most effective use of their time to like really get to know an instrument quickly. The most common thing I hear, um, not piece wise. I mean, you hear the Bordoni uh, etudes all day long, of course, in down the octave. Occasionally you'll hear them in tenor, uh, tenor clef. And then it's like, wait, cause your ears kind of go, Oh yeah. But uh, the, the biggest thing I, I hear is just loud, loud playing and loud testing. Mm. And then you hear those players after they make a decision on their instrument. A lot of times they can't resonate soft because they only played loud. And so I, I, I always try and ask people, well, how is it soft? Is it resonating soft? And sometimes in an acoustic, it's not a great acoustic. It's, it's very difficult. And, and so I try and guide people to think about soft mezzo piano, because some instruments will only play soft and loud, and there will be a gap in, in volume. But the biggest thing I hear is just loud playing. And uh, I, I actually wear earplugs uh, almost 100% of the time at a show. Smart. And when somebody's serious and really trying to dive into something, then I'll take them out. And because I, I, I have been doing this now for 25 years with Edwards and obviously for the, the 12 years of my undergrad, uh, no, not 12 years, I'm joking, but uh, I, I was going to TMEA back in Texas. I went to Texas Tech University and I was going to Dallas area to take private lessons with John Kitzman and, and things. So I've been doing these trade shows before I worked for Edwards and started Griego. Oh man. Yeah. So, I mean, I first actually came across you in, in, I went to Marcus high school in, in Texas and mm -hmm. the Texas tech trombone choir came yeah. while you were 
in undergrad with, with Don Lucas, always an awesome sound. Yeah. And so that's when I first came across you. And so I've, I've known you or about you since then. You're a trombonist, you're a tenor trombonist, bass trombonist. How did you get originally affiliated with Edwards and, and how, how did that come into your life? It was lucky. Back then, I would go to these trade shows, just like we're talking about, and I would hang out at the Edwards Getson booth. Um, I would help them unpack if they needed some extra labor. I was grunt work. I would help them unpack or pack up. I would, and I enjoyed just, I would go to these trade shows and I'd take my mouthpiece and I'd go around and I'd, I'd warm up and um, and I would tell people at the booth, I'd walk in to binge, con, Bach, everyone. And I would just be like, I'm, I'm just doing my daily routine. I'm not buying anything. And they'd be like, oh, cool. No problem. And they would ignore me. And I'd go over and go through my routine. But at the Edwards booth, I had an Edwards. So I'd go over there and put my combination together. If nobody was busy and I'd practice and I was always around and they call it networking. I, I didn't know this. I was just practicing. Um, <laughs> and, and so because I would help them, the Ed Getson, who was the owner of Edwards at the time, and Getson, the family, the Getson family owned it. They would kind of be like, well, here's a deal, you know, on a case or a deal on a, a tuning slide because, you know, I would help them. And I called up one time because I had a tuning slide that I'd ordered. And the, the guy that had the job said, I just put in my two weeks. I'm going to go in a, a different direction and try and sell some insurance and make real world, real world money, not trombone money. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> huh. So I actually asked Don Lucas, do you think I could maybe do that job? And he's like, I don't know, I'll ask. So, and I, I literally just threw my name in. I'm, I was not an engineer. <laughs> I had no qualifications other than back in the day when I lived in Clovis, New Mexico, I sold stereos. So I had A, B speakers back and forth. What's brighter? What, and, and give people what they wanted. And essentially that's what we're doing. It's like going to the eyeglass doctor or, or even comparing speakers. It's just better or worse, better or worse for them until they're ecstatic and you're happy and off they go. Right. And so the next day he came back and goes, they said that they would interview you. So I went to the 97 Boulder. I think it was Boulder, the ITF. And I showed up to interview and they were shorthanded again. So I worked the entire week and my wife had used her and I'd just gotten married. So she used her tax money to buy me a suit and send me to the ITF. And, wow. and, and I worked the whole show. I was, you know, I was looking to get out of school and go do my master's somewhere, but this came up and, and I don't think I interviewed. I actually worked the whole show with the owner and the last day he took me to lunch because I said, do you need to ask me some questions or interview me? And he goes, let's go to lunch. And we went to lunch and I was like, do you have any questions or anything? He goes, no, I, I think I know what I need to know. I'll, we'll be in touch. I have two other people to interview. And three weeks later, he called like a nine o'clock on a Saturday morning and said, do you want to move to Wisconsin? And I said, I'm in. <laughs> and yeah, so from, so from there, I, I, I showed up, didn't know anything I didn't have a computer. Yeah. I had a stack of paper of people to call and I asked for a computer. They gave me a computer that opened up in DOS. Literally, I had to call a friend. I'm like, how do I get to windows on this thing? Cause in college we only used Apple. Mm -hmm. And so I had to create my own databases for sales records and, and keep things organized because I'm not an organized person. If you saw my desk right now, it's atrocious, you know? And, and so that I knew my weaknesses. And so I focused on those because I quickly realized that this job was bigger than me. And so in order to succeed, I had to be better. And, and we talk about this kind of theme a lot with the retreat and, and with the podcast about, you know, we, we kind of have tunnel vision a lot when we, when we start in undergrad, majoring in trombone, majoring in performance, majoring in education, kind of having this clear idea of like, okay, this is the only thing I'm going to do and not realizing that you're actually gathering and developing such a big skill set, you're, you're developing like your ears and your opinions 
And by going to these trade shows, which you thought, you know, you were just kind of like helping and it was interesting to you, it opened up this career path and maybe you discovered something that you were incredibly good at that you had these skills for. And I think we often think if we don't get a specific degree in something, it means we can't learn something like you. There's so much I'm sure of like, I imagine the business side, the engineering side that you learned by doing, which is probably a better way to learn, right? Correct. It's, it's scary. And you learn by making mistakes, but it's no different than trombone. You learn that muscle memory by playing a note 85 times wrong. And then all that, that, that 85%, I should say, and then 15% is correct. And then that 15% slides over until it's 40, 50, until it's a hundred percent. And then you don't miss that note anymore. It's, you know, and it's the same thing with engineering with, I was self-taught. I went to gateway technical school to learn SolidWorks so that I could 3D model so that cool. I could create the harmonic brace. That was the first thing I ever, cause it was in my brain and I wanted to make it. And so I, I, I took CAD classes so that I could learn. And then from there, I learned about machining with Griego mouthpieces, just two axis machining, Z and X. It's simple, but I bought my first CNC machine. I didn't know how to turn it on. I just, I literally took these leaps of faith and I'm like, I'm doing this. And I kept going through it. And it's the same thing as being a musician. If you focus your energy until you complete something and you do that in any area, you're going to be what is deemed successful. And I, I really never cared about that. I just, wanted to see things. And then I, over 25 years, I've realized I like making things and creating things. I also like creating sound, but that's a very selfish thing for me to go and practice for an hour, hour and a half. And I, I don't play concerts anymore. And, and I, the reason is I'm terrified of being late. If it's in Milwaukee or Madison, it doesn't matter where it's at. I end up being the guy in the parking lot an hour and a half before the gig. Cause I'm afraid what if something happens in traffic? I literally, that's a good trait uh, to have. And so that, that actually, once I was on stage, I was fine, but just getting to the gig, you know, cause I hear these stories of, of, of people running in New York city cause they got caught in a traffic jam and that would get ingrained in my head and we're not in New York, it's Milwaukee, you know, or, but, it, but anyway, that I wasn't, that terrified me. I had this fear. And you never know, you, you never know what's going to happen there. Like last time I visited you or one of the, the previous times I visited the factory, you know, full disclosure to our listeners, if you're not aware, I've been playing an Edwards trombone since like I was 16, I think. And I, I was visiting you and it was the dead of winter. It was like January or February. And the rent car place gave me a Volkswagen Beetle, which I I got stuck literal in like intersections. My The car would just get stuck and it would just be like, uh, what do I do? And I visited you. I spent a few hours there. And then, of course, the car didn't start when I'm trying to leave. And you gracefully... I don't even know if you remember this, but you you jumped my car for me, which was a lifesaver in the moment. But you're just like, oh, this part of living up here. You know? Yeah. No, I, I've i had the same thing happen in winter. It, it was like four below with windshield this morning. It's just ridiculous. But I, 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 when I work with all these musicians, I, I really like to, and I do master classes a lot of times, and I talk to musicians. I talk about, and it's no different than investing, diversification of your skill set. I burned the bridges and the ships, if you will. I, I only wanted to be a performance major. I didn't want to be an ed. I got into my general ed classes. I started beating on the small little drum and I'm like, I'm out. I want to go practice my trombone. And I would not do that today because of the current climates of towards artists and musicians where we're, and it's going to change with, but with COVID and everything, the arts are the first to sit at home, you know? And, and so I, I think being diversified and having different skill set. I've seen 
trombone professors that are now refurbing RVs because that's a big market. It's growing on the side. They're making some good bread in, in the summertime. Oh. They're doing some carpentry work or, you know, because uh, they were good at remodeling. So uh, I, I think diversification is very smart because there's probably, and you see this too, there's probably only, what, maybe 750, 1,000 trombone players that are that are really not needing diversification because of their gig is so stable. And it's amazing to watch. And I love working with musicians that and seeing that it is possible. But uh, a lot of times, if you want a little extra bread, you need that diversification. I didn't get into it for the money. I wanted to make a better mouthpiece because my high range sucked. And so I, I got into mouthpiece design so I could figure out how I could figure. And it was just the backboard. It was just too big for me physically that I, I couldn't play Bolero. You know, I could, but it would get pinched, small, non-resonant. And mm-hmm. once I discovered mm-hmm. what it was in the mouthpiece, and I was just going to make two mouthpieces for tenor bass and a jazz and that's it that's it Slippery right slope, 20 years huh? later we we've got um tons of artists that we're working with that i and i work with artists that i want to i'm curious about their approach because then i can learn from them i still mm-hmm. have this need this this yearning for education to learn from like if you visit me i want to learn what your approach is and what works for you and from that i can maybe help someone else five years down the road from here Absolutely. And and I definitely want to get into to your work with, with mouthpieces. Something that kind of struck me when you were describing that path was, for me, I think what's really struck me the past year is, I think we often get kind of stuck in not knowing how to do something when the the why and the what is, is kind of the harder thing to achieve. Uh, to be more specific, you had this idea of what you wanted it to be. You you trust your instincts. You know what sounds you like. You, you're good at listening to people and finding what they like. The how was simply going to school, learning how the machines work, learning the engineering part. That's something that can be done. And I, I feel like a lot of people are just afraid of just do the thing. Learn how to learn how to audio edit. Learn how to do the stuff because the the magic, the fun is when you yes. actually have the tools, and then you're just only limited by your creativity and yeah. imagination. Absolutely. And then. You know, you're going to make mistakes along the way. You just have to be okay with that. And but and I've always said this: success is a lot harder than failure. Be okay with yeah. success. Yeah. That's one of the key things in my life is to be to accept success. And because if you fail, it's like oh, I failed. Well, you're done. Okay, what next? But when you succeed, now you have this baby that's developed. You have to grow it. The baby being, you, know, you get the idea. It could be anything. It could be a mouthpiece company. It could be, you know, because when I started a mouthpiece company, I, I had, I buffed myself on this small, ridiculously small buffing machine. It took forever. And occasionally, because it, it had this lip overhang, it would catch it and it would destroy the mouthpiece because I, I wasn't a good buffer. So eventually I hired somebody that was better than me at buffing and I got a better buffing machine, but I didn't have a heater in my garage. So literally he's bundled up in a jacket in my garage with this little quarter horse buffing machine that, and, and then we started with 10 or 15 mouthpieces. And now I, we're doing hundreds a week. It's insane. And now, yeah. Learn and, by doing. And then when, when you find an area that you're not strong, know your weaknesses and find people that, that that's, that's their strong point and be okay with it. You know, just be okay with it. I'm like, nah, my machinist now that, that I work with Chris, he's, he taught me, but he's incredible. He's so gifted when it comes to CNC machines. Can I? Yes. But when I watch him, I'm like, I can't do like that. And so I, I ran machines and I still do um, mm-hmm. at times when I have to run a second shift or, you know, run, run the machines late. I can. But when it comes to actually programming with, with everything, he's, he's more gifted than I. 
So accept that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it opens up your yes. time. It like being able to outsource like that. You can be like your own limiter. So understand where your your limits are, and when you, it's time to grow, step out of the way and grow. Okay. So talking about growth, and this is this is a big question. So I'll try to try to narrow it. But talking about you know the state of Edwards Instruments when you first started, and of course you started as as a rep and then you were promoted to director of development and marketing 4 years later you came right out of college it's this this new company and not new but this you tell me i feel like edwards was one of the first to really dive into being able to customize so many different elements we were the first it was right? 1989 it launched in 1990 and they went to one show and instantly had a years worth of back order it was insane it was insane wow. the growth was off the charts they were the first and to offer bells, slides, lead pipes. I didn't even know lead pipes were in the trombone. I just put my mouthpiece in the trombone and played it. I didn't know that a lead pipe came out and it was possible that if you put a threaded, I mean, they were the first. So it was revolutionary. You have been listening to a free preview of Meet Your Maker an exclusive video podcast for Trombone Retreat Patreon members. If you're interested in hearing the rest of the episode, as well as having access to more exclusive perks and features, consider being a patron at patreon.com slash trombone retreat.